Welcome to This AmeriCorps Life, the official Arizona Serve podcast by AmeriCorps members for AmeriCorps members, past, present, and future. Here's your host, Sarah Haber. Hello, everybody, and welcome to This AmeriCorps Life. I'm Sarah Haber, and I am here with Mona Stevens, our AmeriCorps Vista serving with Yavapai Casa for Kids. Hey, hey. <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> How's it going? I'm good, Sarah. How are you? I'm doing well. So thank you for being here on this podcast with me. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. Yeah. Well, I really wanted to have you on this because you and I have talked a lot about networking and getting to know other people in the community and how that benefits you and kind of the art of brown nosing. And I think that you are so good at it just based on our conversations that we have. And I was like, oh, my God you need to talk about this on this podcast because everybody needs to hear what you have to say. That's really an honor to hear coming from you. Oh my God, please. (laughs) Um, So just to start out, um, can you just talk about what exactly you do for Casa for Kids? All right, at Casa for Kids, I wear multiple hats. I do their volunteer coordinating. Mm -hmm. I built their website and sustain it now, updating it. I do their social media marketing and just helping wherever I need help or wherever they need help. Right. Um, And so how is networking something that is so useful or so necessary for your position? In general, for the volunteers, it's good to be able to network or brown nose your way into getting them to see the value in volunteering with my organization, especially because our volunteer opportunities are pretty scarce and spread out. So to keep them engaged and fans of our brand, I guess you mm-hmm. would say, um, that takes a lot of quote unquote brown nosing. Yeah. And what would you say that brand is, you know? Honestly, the way I market it is that they're literally superheroes. Um, The brand is being a superhero for a child, Mm -hmm. a child that doesn't normally have an advocate that's there to get them their wants and the things that they need to have a wholesome, well-rounded childhood because it was stripped from them from traumas. And when you're finding those volunteers, what's the starting point? Mostly these volunteers have been coming to me, um, except for last month, we, we just had our 5k and I had to reach out to a lot of people. So it was a lot of doing research, research about what those organizations did. Cause I reached out to schools. I reached out to different clubs. I've reached out to professional organizations in the community. Um, even businesses saying, Hey, would any of your employees like to do this because X, Y, Z, but I crafted the message to fit what their wants would be. What would they get out of volunteering and helping at an event? And then cultivating those relationships, making sure I follow up with them. If I meet with them in person, smiling, Mm -hmm. using some of um, the techniques I learned in books to build rapport fast and get them to like you because it's not really about what they're gonna be doing. It's about if they like you and what you're selling to them. Because you're really, like I'm selling helping kids Mm -hmm. and you think it would be an easy sell but it's not all the time do you think that even just listening is 
a basic thing to do to build that rapport with people. Yeah, that's actually one of the points I wanted to talk about today. Um, that you have to, in order for you to be interesting, you have to be interested in what the other person is. And I let people do a lot of um, the talking, so I'll, answer, I'll ask open-ended questions and just let them listen, and I'll do everything with my body language to show that I'm engaged, then I'll spin off on one thing that they said, repeat it, and then ask another question on that. And then by the end of like 30 minutes, they've done most of the talking, mm-hmm. and now they feel like interested in what I have to say because I've just listened to them and expressed interest in them. Right, and I think also just you may go into a meeting or just a conversation with a person thinking that you're going to learn X, Y, and Z, but letting them talk, especially for that full amount of time, you may also learn all these other things that you weren't expecting to learn that could also maybe even help you. Yeah. And in the art of brown nosing, (laughs) every piece of information that you get from another person is really an asset because if you can later on down the road connect this person to that person now you become you elevate yourself in the eyes of both of them because you're doing something that doesn't benefit you by connecting them right i feel like a lot of the progress that i made with networking was just people referring me to all these other different people and then being able to refer somebody else to somebody that i know is also further building that friend that relationship that you have with that organization that's the truth um i just recently went to a conference and i got this lady to give me two five hundred dollar tickets to this high performance academy and it literally was just from talking to her and getting a sense of what she was doing there who she came to that event with and then I actually, she had a marketing need and I have friends who created a marketing business. So I was like, hey, I can help you with this and X, Y, Z, bang, bang. They were connected. And she was happy with the fact that I connected them and said, hey, like, I know that you're really interested in this thing and you expressed that you don't have the money to do this. I have two extra tickets. And as you know, my husband and son are here, but they're supposed to be at this event and they're just golfing right now. So Mm -hmm. they're not going to use these tickets. You guys might as well have them. Wow. So that was a thousand dollar value just from connecting somebody and listening to her story. And you had just met this woman right then and there. Yeah, pretty much. That was your first time meeting her and she gives you these tickets. Well, we sat next to each other for a couple hours at the seminar. Right. But still, I mean, this is not somebody who you had to know for years and years to have to do you this favor. Um, When you make you can make that much of an impact on a person when you're first meeting them and then they'll be willing to do those favors for you. Yeah. And I think what's really important, especially for young professionals, is to know that regardless of if you have something to offer or not, like I was in a room with people who were entrepreneurs, successful And a lot of the stuff that they were talking about, I couldn't relate to that level of success. But when you look at somebody not based on their title and you say, oh, that title makes them above me or, oh, that title makes them below me. And you just look at people as people Mm -hmm. and use them kind of like human resources. Everybody has a talent and your job is to kind of like fish that out. So that way now you build your repertoire of human resources that you could go out and use. Right. And that elevate you even if you don't have that position or that title that you think can connect you to that person or allow you to be in that club or whatever when you have those 
people in your um, human resource repertoire that you could just pull and say like, hey, you need help with this. I know somebody that can do that. You become a connector and you're instantly in. Right. Or even just a smile or offering to get somebody water or hold the door or if somebody's coughing, hey, like, do you have, do you need a cough drop? I have one. Those little things, like, it elevates you in people's minds. Mm-hmm. I mean, I got a job that way. Yeah. <laughs> the best job ever that way. Can you talk about that? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I went to this digital marketing conference um, last year, and I paid for myself to go there. I was the only person that was still in school there. Actually, I lied. I met one person that was in school, and their school had sent them to go to this for some, for some program or whatever internship she had through the school. So she was there, and she was the only other student. Everybody else was professionals, and they're learning how to better their marketing skills and i'm sitting there like i'm just learning this stuff right i just came here because they are not teaching this in school and i kind of want to know this but i went there with a mindset of hey even though i have nothing to offer i'm going to go in there with a heart of service and open the door for people Mm -hmm. smile joke with people just really embodying their human just like i am human right and through that i was sitting I got into playing, I don't know what that game is, where you throw the the corn thingy into like the hole. Oh, cornhole. Or some people just call it bags. <laughs> yeah, so we were playing bags. Bags. <laughs> and just talking about like what they did. And I was talking about, oh, what my dreams were for the future while I was there. And I met this guy that was just like, well, what do you do right now? And I was like, well, I'm at this company and I'm doing their email marketing. I'm here to try to implement some new changes, but I don't think that they're progressive um, in the sense that they're gonna evolve with these marketing strategies. I think that they're gonna keep doing what they think has always worked for them and not try to expand out. And I really want a chance to expand out, that's why I'm here. And just hearing that, the guy in Steve was like, well, what would it take for you to leave them? How much money? And I didn't think he would wow. anything of it. So I was like, hmm. I was making $10 at the time. I said, 12. He <laughs> said, don't sell yourself short. Yeah. And then he was like, well, look, come back the next day because it was a two-day or three-day event and find me and we'll talk. Just think mm-hmm. about it. So I didn't really go home and think about it. I did run into him the next day. Um, and then he offered me a job and gave me all his contact wow. information and came up with his own price of like $15 starting off. Yeah. And then when I got hired, I was like, man, I was so nervous. What made you want to hire me? And he was like, honestly, just the way you worked the rooms. And what solidified it was, and this goes back to treat everybody, no matter what their title is as a human being and try to be of service when you're networking, because you never know who's watching too. So I literally saw this janitor struggling, carrying a bunch of stuff. And I was like, hey, do you need some help? And the guy said no. And then I ran back over to my group. But he, my boss said, in that moment, that's when I knew that you were somebody I wanted on my team. Yeah. And it worked out in your favor. Yeah, but it really just is from the principles, just going in there thinking like you have something to offer, even if it's not something that you think is valuable. Right. And I feel like as young professionals, especially trying to get your foot in the door, you're kind of always on you know, you never know when those opportunities or where those opportunities are going to present themselves to you. So it's better to 
act the way that you would be acting in those professional settings and people can see that. And I think that also sometimes going into a job, there are skills that you will learn those skills at the job, but there are other skills that you're not going to learn and you just kind of have to have. And I think even things like, you know, just being a good human, that's not something that everybody has, but it's also not something that every job teaches. So having that, I feel like can even take you a lot further. Exactly. And the thing is, life is like kind of perpetual. So you never know that janitor one day he could be working on like a side hustle when he gets off of work. Mm-hmm. And then exactly have a fortune 500 company in like five years. And remember, hey, you're that girl that tried to help me out when I'm applying. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So as part of just being a decent human being um, as an AmeriCorps member, we are serving our time and giving back to uh, these organizations. What sparked your interest and made you want to become an AmeriCorps member? Well, it all started (laughs) when I was like 13 years old and I was trying to figure out how I could travel the world and specifically go to a Spanish speaking country because back then I was really obsessed with like Costa Rica and just Spanish culture in general. And I think I like secretly wished that I was. Actually, I lied to people a little bit and told them that I was Costa Rican from Puerto Limon. Oh, wow. Um, Did they believe you? Yeah, I grew out of that phase though. (laughs) Um, So I was looking up different ways that I could travel. And from a young age, I was always people oriented. Like Mm -hmm. I would be considered like a people pleaser type child. Um, So in researching all those things, I found Peace Corps. And Peace Corps was something that just sounded right up my alley. Yeah. But then I was looking at all the different criteria and things that you needed, and college was one of them. Went to college. Um, Then after college, I didn't feel that my resume was strong enough Mm -hmm. to go apply directly for the Peace Corps because I had, through life circumstances, had to work and support myself and didn't really have a support system, like a safety net. So I had to create my own safety net and still go to school full time and make sure I could live life. So I felt like, Compared to other people, my resume wouldn't be strong. So I decided, why not apply for AmeriCorps and then get the experience and be able to help people, be able to travel, maybe not the world, but to be able to travel the United States a little bit, experience something new, help people and boost my resume to eventually be able to serve on a larger scale. Right. And I think even traveling within America could be your way to get to that place that will allow you to travel all over the world. Yeah, especially with networking. You never (laughs) know who you meet or what they're doing. Like next week, yeah, next Friday, I'm going to San Diego just because I expressed interest in going. And a friend of mine was like, you can come. I'm like, I don't have the money really to go. Just come. And Mm -hmm. then I don't know if this is brown nosing, but (laughs) after uh, two weeks after that, I'm going on... um, Uh, road trip around California. Oh, wow. And that's something I'm really excited for, Mm -hmm. but it just came from just talking to people and being like, hey, this is what I don't have, but this is what I can offer. Can I come? And people saying, yes, you just have to, I think, ask for what you want and be willing to realize that whatever it is that you want, there's always going to be a gatekeeper. And whether it's going to travel, you know, California or it's going to Peru to like 
serve the orphans or whatever it is that you want to do um there's always going to be a gatekeeper or somebody that's going to be like hey halt like how are you why do you deserve to walk through this door Mm -hmm. and i think the more confident you are in dealing with people and you can make them like you you sell yourself and then your abilities come next because you can teach anybody pretty much any skill but you can't teach them a personality exactly you can't teach them how to make other people feel important right and I think also it's important to not only ask for what you want, but also figure out what are the steps that I need to do to get there. Because it might not be as simple as I will just apply for this job and there it is. It might be I have to take all these first initial steps and then along the way I will get to where I need to be. Definitely. And even if it's that job, figure out who their hiring manager is. I mean, this is not something that I've done. But I've kind of studied like brown nosing a little bit. (laughs) There's actually a lot of books on brown nosing that you could read. And it teaches you basically how to build rapport with people faster, how to kind of skip the small talk, questions to ask to make yourself look different or stand out apart from everybody. Like when you go to a networking mixer, for example, most people ask you, hey, what do you do? And almost as to qualify the conversation after that, like if a lawyer asks, I don't know, somebody that works at Burger King, hey, what do you do? Oh, I'm a cashier. Then instantly that person drops in that lawyer's mind, like you don't have anything to offer. But if you ask somebody, how do you spend most of your days? Most people spend most of their days at work. But if you choose to elaborate on what you do at work, that's up to the person you're talking to, right? They could say, "Oh, I spend most of my days with my family and all these different things." And the way that they answer that question gives you more information about them to ask deeper questions, and then you go deeper, faster. And then when people start revealing things to you that they didn't normally think that they would, or they haven't in that entire room of people, it sets you apart. Even listening, mm-hmm. if you let somebody talk the whole time, they're gonna remember you because. They felt listen. Right. Or I even think that a question, and I think a lot of times this happens in job interviews, which is really difficult to answer because it's so general, but even just saying, tell me about yourself, as opposed to what do you do? I think when you can answer that question, you feel comfortable answering that question. It doesn't have to be, yeah, I'm just a cashier. It could be, tell me about yourself. Well, you know, I really would love to get into this field of work. Currently, this is what I'm doing. And having that opportunity for them to give you their little spiel, you'll learn more and more about what's deeper than what's just on this piece of paper. Exactly. One of my favorite questions to ask people is, what is your vision for your life? Mm -hmm. Like, what do you want your life to look like? Because I found that no matter if somebody's I don't know, working at McDonald's or somebody's, you know, climbing the corporate ladder, people have their own personal dreams and visions and goals for their own lives that are outside of their career. Right. And most people don't ask about those things. And those things are kind of important to people. And on the other spectrum, it also invites the people who maybe haven't thought about it because they're trapped in the day to day to actually have a a chance to say, hey, wow, what do I want for my life? Yeah. And step back. Yeah, I think it's also important. I feel like after every job interview, when they ask you, do you have any questions? My dad actually recommended that I do this for one interview in particular. Ask them 
or explain to them, this is what my, this is what I envision myself doing in the future, or this is what I want to be doing in the future. Will this job be on that path to get me to where I would like to be? I feel like that's a really good, I think that that shows the person who's interviewing you that, you know, you want to make, you're doing your research about that job and making sure it's a good fit for you. And then it also gives them that insight of, oh, this is where they want to end up in life. Because especially with entry level positions, you never know. Exactly. I think that kind of goes back to how I kind of got my last job um, or the job before this, when I just was talking about what I was already doing and kind of what I wanted to do. And when I got it, what I, what I was doing, I was talking like monotone, like, I do this. But then I was like, but I want to do right. And got really excited. And I think when people see that passion, you can't teach people passion. No, I think it's just something that it's very obvious if you have it. And if you don't have it, maybe you're not the right fit. And that's what that last question you asked. I'm going to have to steal that. That's like going in my art of brown nosing Bible. Yeah. Shout out to my dad. Thanks for that great interview question tip. Perfect. Thanks, Sarah's dad. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much for being here today. Was there anything that you wanted to plug for Casa for Kids? Well, Giving Tuesday is coming up. It's after Cyber Cyber Monday. Monday. Yeah. Yeah. So if you want to be that superhero to a kid, because I mean, you really make lives like make the difference in a child's life. I see that in the thank you letters that I get back all the Mm -hmm. time, the different cool things that these kids got to do. If you want to be a superhero and make your money count locally and feel good, donate to us. And how can they donate to you? Well, on Giving Tuesday, they can have a link on Facebook. Um, It's Yava Picasso for Kids. Um, just search that on Facebook and we'll have a link right there for you to donate. Um, but you can also go to our website, which is www.yavapicasaforkids.org and just hit donate now. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much, Mona. This has been a really insightful conversation. I've, I have definitely learned a lot from you. And yeah. Thanks for having me. Okay. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to This AmeriCorps Life, produced by Arizona Serve of Prescott College. Find out more at arizonaserve.org and at prescott.edu.